Blog Talk Radio. Mysteries on the BookSpeak Network. I'm Sherry Knowlton. I write the Alexa Williams series of books, Dead of Autumn, Dead of Summer, Dead of Spring, Dead of Winter, and the latest, Dead on the Delta, which will be released in February. Um, today, uh, my co-host, J.M. West, can't join us, so um, I'm on my own with our, our guest, Michelle Cox. Um, Joan will be back after the new year, though. Uh, As I said, today I'm pleased to have mystery author Michelle Cox with me on the podcast. Uh, We'll discuss her latest mystery, uh, her latest book, A Child Lost, as well as the rest of her unique historical series and her other writing. Um, Let me introduce you to Michelle with a, a brief bio. Michelle is the author of the multiple award-winning Henrietta and Inspector Howard series, as well as Novel Notes of Local Lore, a weekly blog dedicated to Chicago's forgotten residents. She suspects that she may once have lived in the 1930s, and having yet to discover a handy time machine lying around, she's resorted to writing about the era as a way of getting herself back there. Her books have been praised by Kirkus, Library Journal, Publishers Weekly, Booklist, and many others, so she might be on to something. Cox hoards board games uh, she doesn't have time to play and is not surprisingly addicted to period dramas and big band music, plus marmalade. <laughs> Welcome to Milford House Mysteries, Michelle. Thanks, Sherry. It's great to be here. I like marmalade too. Orange is my favorite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have to be a special mystery. kind of person to like. Yeah, exactly. You have to be a special kind of person to like marmalade. I think. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for taking the time to talk to me today. Um, your Henrietta and Inspector Howard series, which is a mystery ro- romance, and as I said, set in the 1930s in Chicago. Um, has been described uh, by reviewers as Downton Abbey meets Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries. Um, and A Child Lost, your, your most recent book, was released in April with She Writes Press. Um, Michelle, why don't you just tell us a little bit about the, the latest book, A Child Lost? Sure. Um, yeah, A Child Lost is book five in the series, and as you said, it came out in April. So um, this series, it, it's, a, it's a little bit different than maybe your, your typical uh, mystery series in that it's not just the same characters who are solving a different crime each time. So these books are kind of progressive. You can read them out of order. I, I highly recommend that you don't because uh-huh. the character arcs keep developing 
you know, at, as the books roll along. So by book five, we're, we're pretty deep into um, the main character's relationship, Henrietta and Inspector Howard, Clive Howard. Um, they're married at this point and, you know, they're, you know, well, I'll get back to them in a minute, but you also have um, a lot of the side characters and the, and the side plots are pretty developed, you know, by this point. So if you're jumping into the series, you know, I think there's enough, and I've, I've heard from readers that there's enough uh, backstory for them to understand what's going on. But if you've been reading from the beginning, you know, it's, it's pretty fulfilling. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but there's multiple um, things that the lost child could refer to. So there's, um, um, you have Henrietta and, and Clive are, are dealing with actually a miscarriage. And so, and they are trying to sort of investigate a spiritualist on that's operating on the outside of, of town. And meanwhile, oh. um, Henrietta's sister, yes, is involved with a, um, a German in, immigrant who has been caring for this little girl who happens to have epilepsy. And she has been mistakenly put into a mental asylum because that's, what happened a lot of times in the thirties. And mm-hmm. so she gets put into Dunning, which was an, an actual asylum in, in Chicago during that time. So um, you have a lot spinning, um, a lot going on. And eventually Clive and Henry are called in to sort of investigate this as well. So that's kind of the setup. Oh, that sounds interesting. Spiritual. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that was fun to write. <laughs> <laughs> that was a big thing back in that era, wasn't it? Spiritual. It, it really was. was. I, yeah. Even in like the Victorian I'm times, I think, mean, if like, yeah, they, there's always like an episode where, you know, there's a seance or something, right, in the, the period dramas or, you know, um, uh-huh. you have that in Sherlock Holmes, Agatha Christie. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to take a stab at trying to write my version of it. And, and it was really a lot of fun because you can do whatever you want with it, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it sounds like it. Yeah. Well, well, so you set up the, the last book, but let's let's go back in time and um, just give us a, a little overview of the series in general or or talk about, um, you know, each book is, if you want, uh, you know, but, but fill us in on the, the rest of the series because we're coming in, as you say, at book five. So there's a, a lot sure. of uh, history already with these two characters. Yeah, so the first book is A Girl Like You, and um, that's, as you know, that's the setup for the series. Um, Henrietta is uh, based on a real woman that I met while I was working in a nursing home. So book one is kind of unique because I took a lot of this woman's story and used it to craft the character of Henrietta. So there's a lot in book one that's actually really happened in real life. So she, you know, Henrietta is um, a young woman. She's very beautiful, but also very virtuous. And like I said, I based that on this woman who used to follow me around the nursing home and tell me that she had had this amazing life in the thirties and forties in Chicago. 
and that she once upon a time had a man stopping body <laughs> and a personality to go with it. And I just, I know, right? At the time, I'm like, that is fantastic. Who says that? So, you know, I was not a writer That's at all great. back then, but yeah, I squirreled that away and pulled that out um, when I was crafting this character. So Hen- I made Henrietta very beautiful, but she's also a, um, very virtuous, which also kind of follows this this woman's story. She said that she had a reputation in the neighborhood as being a good girl. And so she had this little gang of boys that uh, knew that she was a good girl, but she had all these risque jobs. Um, and they would wait for her to get off the trolley or the train or whatever at night, the bus, and they would secretly follow her <laughs> until she got home safely. And I just thought that Aww. was such a cool detail. Yeah. And I, I, I wanted to put that in the book, but I couldn't write this big gang of boys. So I smooshed um, all of them into one character, Stanley, who follows her around and thinks that he's in love with her and thinks that he's her protector and he gets in the way of the investigation and lots of things happen. But she also told me this real life woman that uh, even though it was a depression, she never had a problem getting a job probably because of her looks but she was always uh-huh. being felt up or, um, you know, the manager would try to kiss her or whatever, and she would always slap them, and she would be instantly fired. So I think that's uh-huh. a lot of spunk, a lot of courage to do that in the uh-huh. middle of a depression. So yeah. um, that was another thing that I sort of wrote into her character is that sort of, you know, spunk. So Henrietta um, – the oldest of eight kids and her father's killed himself because of the depression and she has to become the oh. breadwinner. So she's always out. Um, she works with a 26 girl at a local tavern, which is a, a dice game. I discovered that this one, the real woman had. And so I had to kind of look that up and research that. And it really was a real game and it was only played in Chicago in bars. Um, where you okay, would when I certain... read about a 26 game, um, I was like, what's 26 game? I, yeah. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, exactly. I had to research it. I'm like, what is this? So, uh-huh. yeah, it was a, a dice game, and they had 26 girls who were supposed to keep score, but really their real job was to push drinks. So um, I have Henrietta working as a 26 girl when the book opens, and um, she's not making enough money. So her friend persuades her to take a job as a taxi dancer in a club, which is where men would pay 10 cents for a dance. So they were called Diamond Dance Girls um, or Taxi Dancers. So uh, it was not a very reputable job. Um, Runaways used to take it, um, you know, because it's kind of one step above prostitution, really. And sometimes there were clubs where, you know, that was kind of part of it. So... Uh, she takes this job. She's kind of actually liking it. And then lo and behold, the, the dance floor matron turns up dead. So the um, charming but aloof Inspector Howard shows up on the scene and he quickly um, assesses her beauty and entices her to go undercover for him at a burlesque club. And then that's kind of when the story really gets going and it's, um, a lot more dangerous than either of them thought, and they, you know, end up in a big adventure. <laughs> That's all I'll say. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the whole burlesque scene was actually taken from her life as well. 
Um, so there, there was a lot, you know, like I said, that was real. And, but then when I got to book two, I realized I, when I was writing book one, I didn't realize it was a series or I wanted it to be a series. And if I had, uh-huh. I might've set it up differently, but um, I, I, you know, I didn't really want to write about a cop and his wife in Chicago in the thirties. I felt like that had kind of already been done. I didn't really want to write this sort of noir series um, uh-huh. because they say, you know, write what you, what you would like to read. And that, that's not it. <laughs> so I'd rather read, you know, Downton Abbey meets Miss Fisher. So I kind of uh-huh. changed it a little bit where Clive is actually the heir to this estate in the Northern suburbs. And, you know, it, it t- kind of takes that twist because Henrietta agrees to marry him, but she's not really on board with, you know, being lady of the manor. She, and she uh-huh. feels a little bit betrayed that he didn't tell her that. So book two is kind of all about them, uh, ring of truth, figuring that out. And then, you know, the series kind of uh, progresses from there in each book. They have a mystery to kind of solve, but again, it's really a genre bender type of series. It's kind of romance. It's kind of mystery, kind of historical fiction. So it's, yeah, it's it sounds like it's a little bit of a, a mishmash of everything, but um, it, it really it, is. It, yeah. it works for you, right? It does. It does. <laughs> Well, I think yeah. you may have answered um, the the question I was going to ask next is, like, what drew you to 1930s Chicago? I thought maybe, you know, it was an era that had always interested you. But it sounds like you uh, your relationship with this woman at the nursing home is sort of what drew you there. And uh, then you had a set of characters that you wanted to continue. Yeah, it yeah, that's pretty much it because really my real affinity was is kind of more for the 40s, especially that big band era and um but when I was writing this book and I was you know researching this woman and I just loved the detail. She had all these like weird crazy jobs and one of them was that she worked at the Chicago World's Fair and which is was in 36 and um, her job was to dress up every day like a Dutch girl. She worked for a Dutch rubber company and she would, her job was to just walk around and pass out flyers for this Dutch rubber company. And I'm like, that is such an amazing detail. I have to put this in the book. Uh You know, the the thirties really isn't my, so I'm like, well, I can do this for one book, but (laughs) changed it to a series. I'm like, Oh my God. But really, you know, I'm glad I did it because um, I feel like there's a lot of books already out there um, in the 40s or that sort of World War II genre. And there's, you know, a lot now around World War I. So I think this is kind of a nice, it fits right nicely in between the two wars. Yeah, you know, you're right. There are a lot of books about the 20s, you know, the flapper era and all of that. Mm -hmm. And then you, you... People often just skip right through the 30s and, um, you know, write about the 40s instead. Uh, So so how do you do your research uh, on this? uh, I won't call it a forgotten era, but um, it's not one that there's probably a huge amount of material out there about, other than um, 
you know, the the imp- depression pieces of it. Yeah, I think there's kind of a mix, really. I mean, I um, there's a there's a couple of great sites. Um, one is called uh, Encyclopedia of Chicago, which has a lot of information from many different eras. Um, books four and five take place. A lot of them take place. Uh, a lot of the scenes take place at Mundelein College, which is my alma mater, and which at the time was a brand new college in Chicago. And oh, so okay. I was able to access a lot of their archives and, you know, records in school newspapers from that, that era. That was really fun. And there's a lot of, I discovered um, lots of the neighborhoods, especially in the north side of Chicago where the book is set, have their own historical society, and they have a lot of their documents online. And so I was able to... Oh research a lot just by going to these neighborhood historical societies and there was like first person accounts written back in the day um, lots of you know photos advertisements newspapers and so that was uh, really really helpful as well yeah that makes sense I mean I did my first book um, has a historical subplot that um, took place in the Depression. And one of my uh, resources for information was our county historical society. So I I imagine that's very similar to what you're talking about, Chicago being much huger than where I live. Um, There are probably multiple neighborhood uh, historical societies that keep their own histories. Yes. Right, especially because so many of them were their own towns before they were annexed into the city of Chicago. So Okay, so they all blended as the city just kept expanding. Yeah, right. That right. makes sense. Well, um, your main characters, um, it sounds like uh, Henrietta and Clive, uh, Inspector Howard, <laughs> Um, yeah, they right. they seem from the outside to fall into one of those classic romance uh, books or novel <laughs> situations where a young unsuitable right. woman meets a you know unsuitable in quotes uh, meets a <laughs> successful man they fall in love there's trials and tribulations event um, uh, in your books they become partners of sorts in solving crimes. Um, And I I guess I wonder if you pattern these two on any past characters in literature or film, uh, you know, why you chose this sort of type of romance. I I will note that um, I'm a Pride and Prejudice junkie. I can't tell you how many times (laughs) I've reread the book or watched uh, the BBC series or the Kara Knightley, Matthew McFadden movie. So I'm a sucker for this type of romance. Um, You know, there's nothing the matter with, uh, you know, these uh, (laughs) old uh, tried and true approaches. But I'd, I'd like you to just talk about that a little bit. Sure, yeah. Um, it's funny you should say that. I ha- I didn't really have um, uh, a, a couple that I was basing them on, although um, lots of readers have said that it seems like they're the, the Nick and Nora type of couple um, or the uh-huh. like a Cary Grant, um, uh, Catherine Hepburn type. Um, 
And it's funny that you should say the Matthew McFadden, because when I was first writing the book, I, um, because I was such a new writer, I would cut out, you know, pictures of celebrities that I thought would look like the characters and that would help me to write uh-huh. them. And I always envisioned um, Clive as Matthew McFadden. <laughs> I feel like a huge ah. crush on him. Yeah. So, um, you worry, Carl. I, Pride and Prejudice, where he walks across the moor in the morning in the coat. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes, I know, right? Like, or in the the rain when they're when you know he's trying to get her to marry him. Oh my god. Oh yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So so I did kind of have the the, the Pride and Prejudice actually in mind during book two because that is kind of a little bit of the theme of that book because um, you have him asking her to to marry uh, him and yeah, she doesn't really feel, you know, up, up to the part. She feels very betrayed by him and, and um, they sort of at one point and then it's one of the errant siblings of Henrietta that causes her to have to go to Clive, just like in the story where Lydia Bennett, you know, goes astray and then Elizabeth uh-huh. ends up having to ask Darcy to help. That's kind of what happens in book two. And then they kind of have to reset or decide if, you know, if they really want to be together. So, yeah, it's it's a lot all mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, let's switch away from the the sort of the plots and the the the, the books themselves. And I, I wanted to ask sure. you a question. It 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 uh, you know you've been reviewed the books positively by so many places. Booklist with a starred review, and Library Journal mm-hmm. a starred review. Kirkus Forward, Publishers Weekly. You've been. Uh, Featured in Pop Sugar, L, Buzzfield, Buzzfeed, excuse me, Britain Company, Culturalist, mm-hmm. Red Book, Bookter, and Bustle. Um, you say you've gotten <laughs> over 50 awards to date. I mean, that's mm-hmm. simply astounding. I mean, that that's such an oh. accomplishment. Um, and, Thank uh, and you. Uh, you know, as an author who sometimes struggles to to get you know books widely reviewed and covered, I wanted to ask you what your secret is, uh, other than good writing, <laughs> of course. I, I I understand that that's probably the the, the driving force, but um, it it is impressive. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's um it the series as a whole has been uh, pretty um well-received by the trades and the other outlet media sources. And I think um, a lot of that early success was um, down to a uh, PR company that I hired um, from the very beginning. So I was with them for four out of the five books, and um, they were able to really get me some of those high-profile reviews that I don't – I think it's it's really hard for just – you know, an indie author, no matter how great your book is, it's it's really hard to, to open some of those doors unless you unfortunately pay somebody to, you know, be out there and, and trying to, to get your book in front of people. Right. That makes sense. That, that really does. And there's just so many books out there, too. Um, some of them 
very, very good, as you say, and then some of them not so good, but, you know, it's hard for <laughs> the the good to rise to the top uh, sometimes really without is. a little I, Yeah, I mean, because there's like, what is it? I think a million books published a year, if you I count. I know, I read that recently. Traditional. That's astounding. Yeah, and so to, to sort of, you know, you're a spec and to rise above, you know, all the noise, you, you know, you need to, <laughs> unfortunately, you need to put as much effort or more, I think, into marketing and promoting than you do to writing, which is sad, but kind of, kind of the way it is now. Yeah, it is. Well, Even for, um, I think, traditional authors, um, I've been reading that they are forced to, you know, sometimes hire their own PR companies too, because there's just like limited budgets within the big houses. So that's yeah, kind of a scary, yeah, I've read that. scary concept. And of course the, the big four, five is about to become the big four. So, you know, that probably right. will narrow opportunities even mm-hmm. more. Sure. For sure. Well, quickly, but, uh, we've only got about five minutes left. I, I wanted to ask yeah. you to talk a little bit about your blog, too, because I'm intrigued by the fact that you write weekly about um, Chicago's mm-hmm. forgotten residents. Uh, are they, like, forgotten in the historical sense, <laughs> or uh, are they present-day people who just don't get recognition? Um, well, basically where, what that comes from is I, my time at the nursing home. So I worked at the Bohemian Home for Orphans and Aged. Of course, when I worked there in the early 90s, there were no orphans. But it was basically a, um, a nursing home um, for the Czech population, but there were also Koreans, Polish. There were, you know, there was a mix. So, um, yeah, I just collected stories um, for all those people, and um, I guess I call it forgotten residents because these stories are just larger than life, and they're, they're, they're amazing. I tell writing groups, if you're ever, you know, stuck for an idea, go sit in a nursing home for a couple of weeks, and you'll have more stories than you could ever, 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 ever use. So um, well, I just decided. Well, wonderful idea in many ways. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I just decided to put them into a blog um, when I started writing, and it, it kind of goes nicely hand in hand because I'm writing kind of in that era. So it's it's been really well received, and it actually has its own little audience that are separate from the books. You'd think there'd be crossover, oh, and there great. is. Yeah, but there is just uh-huh. a, a group of people that just follow those stories. So that's kind of neat. Yeah. Back to your novels, what's next on your plate? Uh, another um, Henrietta <laughs> and Inspector Howard? Well, I'm getting tons and tons of um, letters and emails from fans wanting uh, the next book in the series, um, which I promise, if any of you are listening, I am going to be starting that soon. But um, I took a little time away from the series to write two other novels that are Standalones, oh. um, yeah, still set in that era, but I'm using those to try to pitch to um, a traditional agent to uh, try to launch myself into the traditional world and just see what that's like. So yeah. I've been working really yeah. hard on those too. Yeah, and so you know, um, it's when those sort of wrap up, 
I will um, go back to book six. Hopefully I can get it out in 2021, but we'll see. Yeah, well, everything is a little crazy these days, so <laughs> sometimes <laughs> timelines sure. aren't working the way they used to. I, well, yeah, tell us yeah, real quickly yeah. then, before we um, mm-hmm. wrap up, how your sure. um, the, the people listening today can find your books, uh, you know, if you have a website or a, a Facebook page and uh, where you can buy, where they can buy your books. Sure. Um, yeah, you can just go to michellecoxwrites.com, and there you have I have all my social link buttons there. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, LinkedIn, BookBub, SoundCloud. Um, you can follow me on all those places, but be sure to sign up for my newsletter because I have huge giveaways. Um, I'm doing a giant Christmas giveaway right now, like an iPad, a whole set of my books, and a bunch of other fun goodies, and one newsletter subscriber wins it um so it it's uh just for subscribers so sign up for that and i would say um this series is also out on audio now it's um, narrated by jane entwistle she's a hollywood actress and she does a fantastic job and uh, book five audio version is 99 cents right now on chirp limited time so check that out oh wow Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, you can um, buy the, the, anyway. the, the, the time clock is getting to us, so I'll have to <laughs> say thank you, Michelle, for joining us today on the Milford House Mysteries. Um, and uh, thank to all my listeners, all our listeners, for tuning in. Um, have a happy holiday. And our next mm-hmm. podcast with uh, J.M. West back with me will be in early January. Uh, please stay safe, everyone. Thank you so much. And thank you, Michelle. Thanks for having me, Sherry. It was great. Bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.